Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. We are back at it again. Here we are today, Meg. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's always, I know it's like cliche because I say it every time, but I always feel like so grounded and pleased to see your face and be able to share virtual space with you. And just full disclosure, we've been doing a lot of recording like um, like at lunch or like when we can find the time. And it's just like a very welcome break from all the things. Totally. It, yeah, I feel the same way. And I like our lunchtime hangs now. It's different. Um, I do miss being able to like, maybe if we choose have a glass of wine or totally. a cocktail together, yeah. but, um, apparently that's frowned upon in the middle of the work I'm like, day. I mean, we could, but <laughs> this is how we're doing it and it's working really well. It has, its, it, it has its own benefits for sure. And one of the things that I feel has been a benefit have been the topics that we've talked about this season. For sure. How are you feeling after our body image conversation? Feeling really good. And actually, it's really interesting because I feel like, you know, often like we'll do topics and we don't really know like what the level of interest will be or Mm -hmm. folks will be kind of engaged in that specific topic. And often people are. Um, But this was a topic I think that people were really engaged with. Yes. Based on the, you know, the feedback on our socials, AKA the gram, (laughs) I think just a couple of key kind of pullouts from what like our community of people had to say about this topic, almost literally everybody who responded, um, indicated that the way that they, people had talked about bodies and, um, body stuff in their life as a kid has impacted them as an adult. Unfortunately, because I would assume it's usually, the negative messaging that sticks as opposed to the positive one, but hopefully we can reverse the cycle. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, I thought that was interesting. That was just like a universal reality. Everyone mm-hmm. was basically like, yep, that impacted me in big and small ways. A lot of folks felt that it was difficult for them to talk about this topic. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting because you and I both acknowledged that this was not a super easy topic for us. Mm-hmm. Folks who I had asked a question about for, for folks who had been pregnant, if it had impacted their relationship with their body again, universally yeah, said that that had a profound impact on their relationship with their body. And we, we did talk about that quite a bit in yeah. our discussion. So that was, that was kind of, there's come, I think sometimes there's like a lot of comfort in that universality, even if, I mean, it doesn't, everyone doesn't have to have the same experience, but I think there's something that is kind of, um, yeah, comforting and sort of like yeah. gives permission to have the feels, you know? Yeah. And to share. So what about with their kids? What are people talking about with their kids about body image? Yeah. So again, almost everyone are being intentional and really thinking about this uh, mm-hmm. within their own family life, um, which I think makes sense coming out of the question around if if they recognize that they, this had an impact on them. Mm-hmm. So we had some like really good feedback, you know, folks themes around um, like a lot of people are working really hard to never criticize themselves um, or others okay, um, and like talk about anybody's bodies in any critical way um, around their kids or in front of their kids. So I thought that was interesting, like just really being mindful of their own stuff, Mm -hmm. um, particularly how they talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. And then also just like lots of lots of uh, feedback around role modeling, like how we understand bodies, how we treat our bodies, how we respect our bodies. Yeah. Um, 
you know, how we give them energy, how we like love them and take care of them, all of that really good stuff. So I, we didn't get into that too much in our discussion. So I thought that was good feedback to also think about yeah. the role modeling around how we care for our bodies. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I like how you mentioned intentionality, cause that's been kind of an ongoing through line for this season. Mm-hmm. Um, just being intentional in our parenting across a variety of ways and intentional in the way we take care of ourselves and just, mm-hmm. yeah, walking through the world, the world with more intention. And I also like that mm-hmm. because this is actually our halfway point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Halfway. Can you even believe it? No, I can't believe we're halfway through another season. And I think we've talked about making this season a couple episodes longer because we just have so many topics we want to cover. So this is mm-hmm. episode yep. six of what will likely be a 12 episode season. And even still, yep. I'm surprised that we're halfway through. I know. I know it happened fast. And I think it's like the busyness. And, you know, I think also like we've gotten a lot more intentional about how we do this also, which I think makes it move really like smoothly and quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really like that you brought that up. This idea of intentionality. It's a big one. It's a big one right now. I think for me in lots of parts of my life, um, Mm -hmm. in this project and, um, in other, in other areas, in my parenting, for sure, like you mentioned. And I think maybe the thing about intentionality in a moment where like we've been through a time that's been very chaotic and um, we've had a lack of control Mm -hmm. is it, it, it gives us back some control in small ways that um, aren't maybe that are like healthy, right. That are not like um, thirst being thirsty for control, but just sort of like being (laughs) intentional. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. It's been pretty cool. Are you doing anything intentional these days with your I own? I am working on a project, a very intentional Ooh. project. I am hoping to put together all of the poems that I've written for our pause for momentum segments and package them up into an ebook that I will sell off of my website. You heard it here for first folks. It's coming. I, yeah, it's coming. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to have it ready <laughs> in time for our season finale, which puts us around my 40th birthday, I believe. So I'm setting yeah. some goals here. Yeah. It's amazing. Intentionality all the way around. (laughs) Um, and you know what, I want to give you permission if for some reason it doesn't feel good and it's like not, you know, there are other things that happen, you know, like we, you can be intentional and you can, and you can be accountable and things they're still allowed to be wiggle room in that intention. Totally. But I'm setting that as my intention. I don't want the wiggle room quite yet, but I appreciate it being offered. (laughs) you're welcome you're welcome um so what are we digging into today I was gonna say should we intentionally shift to today's conversation absolutely let's do it (laughs) we are talking about bullying Mm -hmm. yeah I'm excited to have this discussion it's excited to chat with you about it and excited to hear what our community has to say about this topic great let's take a quick break and pick it back up So as we mentioned, today's topic is bullying, and I am glad to be having this conversation with you, Meg, because this is an area of expertise for you due to your Mm -hmm. previous uh, occupations. So do you want to tell us a bit about your background? Yeah, as much as a person can be an expert in anything, uh, but I do have some Yeah, and I also want to, sorry, emphasize that it's like as per (laughs) occupation. I just realized I might have made it sound like you have experience, like you're an expert bully. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I might be. We'll see. (laughs) Let's, let's, let's complicate the term. Um, Yeah. So I, for, for a good chunk of my professional life, I worked in um, like, healthy child and youth relationship development education type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, peer-to-peer relationships and like bullying and harassment prevention um, was like a big, a big part of that work. Mm-hmm. 
this topic's like almost like a little bit of an overwhelming one for me because mm-hmm. it's like, what are the sort of key things that we want to unpack and talk about? Um, so I think that like what comes up for me is like a the like thoughts of all that all of that work, mm-hmm. but also the way in which bullying behavior mm-hmm. and bullying as a concept can be really misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes are, all of us, parents, schools, adults that are, have power are missing the mark in terms of like what good prevention and what like good skill building actually requires. Mm-hmm. Like there is, when I used to do this work, I got to a point where I'm like, I don't even know if the term is a useful term. The term bullying? Yeah. Useful. Like, do you mean talking about it in terms of like the behavior, like peer-to-peer behavior, or what do you mean useful in terms of how parents talk about it, how schools talk about it? I think there's so many like preconceived ideas about what that behavior is. Mm. And like, there's a lot of stereotypes around like bullying and like the bully and like the victim and like who plays what role. And Mm -hmm. that sometimes I think, and, and also that I think the term is just like very loaded and it, and it can be a bit of a distraction. Like, it's like, we hear that, we hear that term and we have certain like images and stereotypes that immediately come to mind and it also like as a term can can be a bit like belittling of the experience like it's like we hear bullying and it's it's sort of like it's like a childhood um, Ah, I see it's like you know it's like not that there's still like stuff out there and there's still sort of a belief system that like it's not that big of a deal like every it's like a rite of passage it's right um something we all experience maybe like makes us builds character, it like thickens our skin, you know, all of these mm-hmm. sort of like problematic thoughts around the, around the behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I feel like that's really linked to like the word in a lot okay. of ways. Interesting. I feel yeah. like you've brought up a lot in that, that we're going to, te- that we're going to tease apart and unpack. Totally. Um, so I guess I want to start off with then like, what does bullying look like? Ooh, that's a good question. It looks like lots of different ways for me, like the core I'll say okay, I'm going to say like what I think the the like through line is mm-hmm. with any behavior and then I'm going to throw it back to you to answer okay. the same question I bullying looks like an intentional misuse of power mm-hmm. and there's lots of ways that people and kids hold power mm-hmm. and so I think it takes lots of different complex and evolving forms what do you think I think well I'm really interested in the idea that you were just talking about like bullying might be the wrong term or just the term bullying is so loaded. So I think Mm -hmm. that happens with anything that has a negative impact on people where people get so hung up on the nomenclature of something because it's a way of not having to deal with the thing itself. So I don't know that it necessarily matters what the word is. It's what the meaning of the word and what we're doing about the impact of that word. Absolutely. I love that you said that. To me, I agree. Like I was, that's funny. Maybe it's because we were just primed ourselves by talking about intentionality. Yeah. But as you're talking, right, as you said, intention, I was also thinking the word intentionality mm-hmm. in terms of bullying. I think it's like intentional. I think it's mean-spirited. I think it's divisive. Mm-hmm. I think it's an isolating. Yeah. Those are sort of the things that come up to me with the term bullying. So it's not so much what the actions of bullying look like so much as like the intentions behind the behavior and yeah. what it is for the person on the receiving end as well. Yeah. So what I just heard you say there is like a key, a key understanding Mm -hmm. around impact. 
mm-hmm. right? So that latter part of what you're saying, you're talking about impact there. Like, and I think what can be interesting is that, oh, now we're like in the intentionality stuff. Sometimes, you know, somebody will say that, you know, their behavior, that wasn't their intention to yes. like harm or do something, you know, that ended up having a particular impact. And so something in, you know, the zeitgeist of how we talk about peer-to-peer relationships or even just like abusive behavior is that impact over intent, right? Mm-hmm. So like impact is actually the most important determinant of like what a behavior is, regardless of what mm-hmm. we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important. And the impacts are, as we know, like the data and the research, I won't like start spewing it all out and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll share some of this, uh, on the socials, um, and in our show week. notes as always. Yes. As always, we know that there are lifelong profound impacts on people when yes. they experience yes. that dynamic as a young person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mental health, like psychologically, emotionally, socially, physically, like it runs mm-hmm. the gamut. Totally. I think like I'm going to get the, I am always hesitant to like give numbers because I, I'm, I have a poor memory, <laughs> but I want to say that like there was one research piece of work that came out that suggested that like over 70% of adults when surveyed articulated that childhood quote bullying behavior mm-hmm. impact has imp- still impacts them today wow. in their life. So like I, that's telling, right? Impact is impact. Yeah. That's you line up 10 adults, seven of them will say that if in case yeah. you need the visual of what that looks like. Right. And I think, yeah. Do you, like when you were a kid, mm-hmm. do you remember like how people were talking about that behavior? Like was like, do you remember having discussions about bullying or like, you know, like, does that, do you have any memory of that? I, I actually don't really remember Mm-hmm. bullying being talked about. Like, I don't think it became as much of a buzzword until we were older. Yeah. Like it was sort of just like the idea of like the mean older kid. And like, we grow up like eighties and nineties. So like yeah. what immediately comes to mind is like, you know, like buzz and home alone or yeah. like, <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> like the big older, usually boy who's picking on someone younger and physically mm-hmm. weaker than them. Mm-hmm. And like the idea of be- being a bully, being someone who just hasn't been given the opportunity to show their softer side and sort of mm-hmm. bullying as like part of a redemptive arc. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say arc, it's like what I, what I also hear is that like a lot of our understandings ca- probably came from pop culture. Yes. Right. So things yes. that we were seeing on TV and within movies, like kind of li- like links us back to that idea of like those stereotypes of like the O'Doyles in Billy Madison yes. or like, you know, like O'Doyle rules. Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, shoving a kid in a locker and taking their lunch money. Yeah. Or swirlies, like all, yeah. All those depictions. Yeah. And I think like, those ideas were dominant in terms of like identifying those like unkind behavior. It was like, and also I remember like, you know, I don't think there was like a ton of nuance around like moving it away from strictly like physical behaviors. Yes. And just sort of, it was always depicted as boys. Like it was bullying was like a very gendered term. Yeah. It is part of the discussion to start thinking about, like we just said, like what, however we call it, um, you know, the different complex forms that this behavior takes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, I think there were like things going on when I was a kid that would have had imp- the impact. Like I might yes. not have said, oh, that's I'm being bullied or I'm, yes. I, and Hey, I want to say, I might not have said I am engaging in bullying behavior mm-hmm. because I want to unpack that a little bit, but w- what it, 
was based on the impact was just that, right? It was a misuse yes. of power. And we have like, you know, like when we used to talk to kids, when I used to do this work, like working directly with kids, like one of the foundational conversations is understanding all of the ways that we hold power mm-hmm. because it's so fundamental in mm-hmm. like conversations around any kind of abusive behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like getting kids to think about like, oh, I have power because I'm smart or I ha- I'm fast runner or I'm like really good at hockey or soccer or dancing. Um, but then also like getting them to go deeper and think about, I have social power. Mm-hmm. I have charisma. Mm-hmm. People listen to me. Mm-hmm. I am likable with my teachers, like, mm-hmm. you know, all of these other like forms. And then I think what's really interesting is like pushing that deeper to think about how that conversation around power relates to like some of the very important bigger conversations around privilege. Mm-hmm. So like, yes. are you carrying power because of who you are, your identity, yeah. the space yeah. you hold in the world? So it, it was like a very helpful gateway. Okay. This conversation to start talking about the role of power in our life mm-hmm. in bigger ways. So I think like, that's like an important connector in this conversation. Like we talk about bullying behavior and like, if we like frame it in a certain way, it could kind of feel like it's like this thing in childhood, but what it really is, is it connects to all of our other, you know, un- building understandings around power and the role it plays in our life mm-hmm. and how it links to privilege. Mm-hmm. And I also want to be clear too, because um, I did said how, like, I don't remember people talking about bullying, but that doesn't mean bullying behavior wasn't prevalent in my childhood. Like it was yeah. there. I witnessed it. I'm sure I partook in it, partaked, partook, partook in it <laughs> in some form. Yeah. It's just that that wasn't the, we didn't have the words mm-hmm. to describe what was happening. Yeah. And then also it was very much still that mentality of you were talking about earlier of like, this is just part of being a kid and it helps you develop a thick skin and mm-hmm. toughens you up and you just got to get through it and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it like links to like stuff around, like, don't be a tattletale and like, you know, like, how do you like communicate when that's happening? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and like, there's also some like interesting stuff too, that I think sometimes people don't think about. Like when I think, first of all, I will say like, we're often hesitant to like recognize where we've, we've engaged in bullying behavior. Like we've Mm -hmm. already mentioned that and you just mentioned it. So like, I I'm sure that I did like in different environments and with different peer groups. But the other piece is that like, when I think about being targeted, it wasn't necessarily like from a peer perspective, but by my siblings. Oh, okay. Yes. So I I think like a lot of folks don't categorize that behavior that's happening like in the family Mm -hmm. as bullying behavior. Mm -hmm. But I think like for a lot of kids, it's actually like where like the most profound experiences of bullying in their life take place. Yeah. We think about it as like sibling like dynamics, yeah, but sibling it's like, rivalry, sibling dynamics, just sort yeah. of, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, something you just said, tweaked something in my brain and then I sure. lost it immediately. So I'm really glad I shared <laughs> that thought with everybody. Oh, just the idea yeah. of with bullying. It's how funny has, I bet you we could both pick out like off the top of our heads, like five instances where we felt targeted or victimized or bullied. Mm-hmm. But yep. it's interesting. Cause like we can't necessarily come up with uh, times when we were bullied. So then that goes back to impact, right? Mm-hmm. Because like it, the outcome of bullying behavior makes a much bigger impact on the person on the receiving end than the person committing it usually. And so it's mm. just like, you know, like 
maybe times where I was a complete asshole to yeah. somebody hasn't stayed with <laughs> yeah, me as much. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I can think yeah. of times where I was made to feel awful or small or like I didn't matter, mm-hmm. like I was insignificant. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about like the, cause we, you know, just like thinking about the roles that people play in like a social dynamic yeah. or like a bullying dynamic. You know, we often think about like the person being targeted. We think about the person using the behavior. And I, I try really hard to use like person-centered language so that we're, I'm not calling, like there's some evidence to suggest that when we like call somebody a bully, yeah. like it's not helpful. Yeah. That becomes their identifying characteristic as exactly. opposed to like a facet of who they are. Right. And be, and it's just not nuanced mm-hmm. enough because I think like social dynamics are so complex that like in one given day, a kid can engage in bullying behavior and mistreat somebody and then also be mistreated. Absolutely. And so we're sort of evolving and we're always like sort of transitioning those roles. But then there's also the role of um, witnesses yes. or like, you know, what we might call bystanders yeah. um, and the power that they hold and like, um, you know, the role that that bystanders play in terms of giving something oxygen yeah. and um, that's a really important piece. Um, but what's really interesting is that some of the research actually shows that it's like longitudinal research mm-hmm. that like f- might follow. I don't, again, like I'm always so hesitant around research. Cause I'm like, I don't want to butcher it and be wrong. But I think just like the general theme was like, it actually demonstrated that it certainly had profound impacts on kids that were targeted, mm-hmm. but it actually had really profound impacts on kids that were using that behavior because of what, like, you know, they may carry with them because of using the behavior, whether that's shame, guilt, um, you know, the, also like the reasons why maybe a kid is using yeah, that behavior. Like, uh, let's pick apart that a little yeah, bit more then. Absolutely. So why do you think some kids engage in like targeting or victimizing or bullying behavior? I think that kids that, I think kids are always playing with power. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's, again, we come back to the power thing. I think that they are testing and seeing where they can take it mm-hmm. and where it has a role in their life. Mm-hmm. I also would argue that a lot of kids and not in all cases, for sure. I never speak in universals about this, but mm-hmm. like it's often a learned behavior. Yeah. So if if I am spending my time in other environments where maybe someone is misusing their power with me. So it comes back to that thing around siblings and maybe mm-hmm. like what's going on in families, mm-hmm. how parents are talking to each other, you know, not just families, though, also like maybe what some a kid is observing in the culture around them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we so, again, like pop culture, like we talked about how yeah the things that we consumed as children have stayed with us. Totally. And even just like a child is experiencing the osmosis and taking in like noticing that like the way in which politicians speak to each other, <laughs> the way in which somebody yeah. who has power, uh, yeah, <laughs> somebody who has a lot of power. Like I'm thinking even like when you think about, Trump. yeah, I was just trying to avoid saying the name. Cause I was like, I again, know. oxygen, but that was, yeah, I have like highlight reel of so many mm-hmm. different politicians and the language that they've used yeah, and the actions that they've engaged in. Yeah. To try to increase their power and to devalue someone else's power. And just like, yeah. And it's this, it's amazing. Just the highlight reel that instantly pops up. Like, I don't have to think about it. I can recall so many instances because it's so prevalent. Prevalent. And it's like a kid watches that. And you know what else they watch is that it's effective. Mm -hmm. They see that person use that behavior and get what they want. Yeah. And so like, I think that like, we're very quick, like with any kind of like behavior that's undesirable, we're quick to want to be like, this is about this child's deviance or like right. a problem with this person. 
But what we don't do is own it. Own like just like racism, just like you know, you know, like sexism, mm-hmm. misogyny, all of the the bigger systemic things. Mm-hmm. Like we really like we like to think that individuals are deviant and their behavior is a reflection of them. Yeah, and not a systemic issue or a sign totally. of a greater issue going on with society at large. Totally. Yeah. It's that it's not an us problem. It's a them problem. And yeah. Cause it's easier because then you don't have to do any work if it's somebody else's problem. Totally. You know that this, and so that theme is sort of there throughout a lot of things in our culture, but if we could just say that like, this is, this is a problem of individual deviance and like not a problem of like our culture, this is not a reflection of our culture. Mm-hmm. That's, that's much easier to, to that's much more simple to try to tackle. Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't force us to be accountable at all. Yeah. It's time for us to explore our momentum shout out for the episode. Abby, you had something you wanted to share today. Yes. I want to give a shout out to my friend who is absolutely killing it through new mobility and accessibility challenges that their family has been encountering as of late. She's tired and overwhelmed and overworked as we all are, but she's still managing to absolutely crush it and show up for her kids each and every single day. Not to mention that she's acquiring new information at like a staggering pace. She's just picking up knowledge. She's doing, checking in with her friends still, which I find incredible. She's still like staying on top of like what's going on in my life and in our friends' Mm -hmm. lives. And it's like a crazy steep learning curve that her and her partner are on and that her kids are on, but um, they're absolutely crushing it. And I think it's incredible. I also want to say, I feel like it's very important that they're leaning on their support network Mm -hmm. Um, because often we feel like we have to close ranks when something, when we hit a challenge and that we need to do things on our own. So asking for help can be really hard, but she's asking for help. She's learning and she's doing the absolute best she can, which is all anyone can ask for. That's amazing. So shout out to you and shout out to your family and to your partner. And I love you guys. why this example is like it kind of fits well we'll see I'm gonna play it out we'll see if Mm -hmm. it fits yeah but just even at the climate change conference and how there was the minister from Israel who Mm -hmm. was there to participate in the conference and couldn't get into the building because she is in a wheelchair and it wasn't Mm -hmm. there was no accessible entryway for her to get in god you gotta be kidding me I had not heard that like she's there to do her job Mm -hmm. and she's unable to do her job because of accessibility issues because people just aren't thinking about people who don't look and think and see and view and experience the world exactly the way they do yeah so it's like a huge systemic issue Mm -hmm. right there right Mm -hmm. and we point fingers and say like well like that building is a problem the people that built that building are a problem but how did like no one organizing that conference like recognize that problem yeah yeah you know and that sort of like ownership over like things that do harm. Yes. That like they're, they're actually like b- behaviors that do harm are a mirror of where we're getting things wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, I think that's the difference between being an individualist thinker and being like a more of a collectivist thinker. Mm-hmm. Like where does responsibility and where does like learning live mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think it, that's a great example. I think it connects directly to something like this. And to where like kids are picking up information about like who matters and like what, you know, even that part, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who, gets, who do we, who gets to participate? Yeah. Who gets to participate? Who are we thinking about? That's the other one. Yes. Who's the priority? Who do we view? Yeah. Who do we see? Who yeah. are we thinking about? Who matters? Yes. And like, 
they see that in their world and Mm -hmm. then they reproduce a lot of that within their social dynamics. Like you probably, I mean, it's like, we'll hear a kid say or do something that we, we is repugnant and horrible, but we're like, that kid didn't come out of the womb or wherever they come from. Like knowing these things with a, with a belief system, like me being called the N word as a child, someone didn't just yeah. who, like another kid who said it to, who says it to me, doesn't just come up with that out of nowhere. They didn't suddenly invent the word and learn, nope. learn the context, like to maximize hurtfulness on their own. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I guess talking about that and talking just about the worldviews, what do you Mm -hmm. think people get wrong about bullying dynamics amongst groups of children? That's a really good question. I think people get a lot wrong. I think it's like, um, just to like link back to what I said earlier, I think that the sort of like trifecta of people being in stagnant roles within a dynamic mm, mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is limited, is limiting. I think that like, we're not giving kids enough credit for the complexity of their social dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, and, and it draws me back to the labeling piece. Mm-hmm. Like when we, even when we label kids as victims, like, you know, I don't know that that's helpful always. Mm-hmm. It's important that we recognize and acknowledge the impact and that we talk about, um, that piece but I think where where people are missing the mark is that the behavior is a relationship problem mm-hmm. it's a it's a deficiency in being able to have a healthy connection within a social dynamic okay yes healthy connections that's I think those are key words to focus on yeah so it's like and I think where that's helpful is that like, those are foundational skills for all relationships. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't know if folks like, I think there's still some attitudes out there that like doing that kind of learning or like, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't usually use the term anti-bullying, but like, or bully, bullying education in schools or whatever is like uh, an eye roll exercise. It's not effective. It's, um, but I think when it's done well, what it's actually doing is like, it's not about bullying. It's about relationship skills. Yes. It's about setting up to be able to have a good relationship with your parents, a good relationship with your peers. If you choose to engage in one romantic relationships, professional relationships, like relationships with your pets, like, (laughs) yeah, just all relationships of a human being with somebody else. Yeah. And it's all those skills that that, like, we are all imperfect in because we're human and Mm -hmm. like, we are going to make mistakes and you know, we're, we're always learning and like all of the different things that impact our ability to be in connection. Mm -hmm. But like, there are some really like foundational things, um, that, that we can teach. Right. Mm -hmm. And that we can learn. And it, you know, it is about like understanding what empathy is, being able to connect with another person's feelings Mm -hmm. and understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, recognizing power, Mm -hmm. like I've already talked about, but like, that's a big part of like, when you're in connect, every connections with other people are, are often transactions of power, right? Mm -hmm. Like what is our relation in terms of who am I and who are you Mm -hmm. and how does the role I'm playing and the role you're playing impact how we interact? Yes. Yes. And how we understand each other. So I think like that, not thinking about those pieces specifically is a miss and like it, it, it renders pointless, like talking about bullying or the behavior if we're not, or just like bullies are bad. We're anti-bully. This is an anti-bully space. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. Like that's, that's not, that's an idea. But like, if you're not doing any of the relational work, Mm -hmm. then you're not, you're it's pointless. It's just a, it's, it's like, um, you know, putting up a black square 
when George Floyd was murdered. Yeah. If you're not going to like also do the work yeah. to unpack like the root stuff. Yeah. It needs know? to go beyond the performative. Totally. Like that's the thing The anti, some of the anti-bullying stuff is very performative. And what's really interesting is like, I would work with kids who would be like the most vocal in the room around like having all the answers about well, bullying, right? Right. And anti-bullying. Anti but what I would learn is that some of those kids, because of the power they held, were some of the most prolific misusers of power. Yeah. Within their classroom. Yeah. So there you go, right? Like without really considering like positionality and power and how we connect mm -hmm. and like conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. And not all conflict is bullying either. Yes, that's also a big thing. Oh, you're bringing up so many things here, like shifting power dynamics. I like the way that you brought mm -hmm. up that somebody could be uh, on the receiving end of a, a power abuse on one side, but then go on to also abuse power in another dynamic, how totally. our roles within relationships shift over time. Like they're fluid, that mm -hmm. none of these are static things. No, and yeah, not at all. I just, you're, yeah, I'm, you're bringing up a lot of stuff that's making me think <laughs> so my wheels are turning. This is why it was an overwhelming topic. I'm like, how do you like keep it honed? But it's just like to have in the organic conversation is a helpful way to unpack. Um, but yeah, I think all of those things are essential to the conversation. Um, I'm a big proponent and I think people are getting it wrong when they're not connecting the, those behaviors to larger systems of oppression, mm -hmm. like, like discriminatory behavior, mm -hmm. like where does, you know, and like, like I said before, just sort of like using this conversation about power and relationships amongst kids as a gateway to understanding you know, like systems of oppression in a, in a more um, complex way. I think kids, this is a beautiful vehicle often to like get into that mm -hmm. and to help kids understand that mm -hmm. because this, this is, this is something that they understand in their own dynamics mm -hmm. and then just building skills around always being reflective of like position, like, mm -hmm. like that thing. Like, I think a lot of folks have missed that in their early learning to like be mindful and reflective of like, the position that they're in, in any given connection. Yeah. Self-awareness and introspection are key. Totally. I think again, because we've already discussed, we've brought up race, we've brought up gender, we've brought up consent. Mm -hmm. Like there are so many topics that we've talked about in other episodes because there's so mm -hmm. much intersectionality between them all. Totally. That like, yeah, like you're saying, bullying isn't a standalone thing. We need to look at the other things that go into how we mm -hmm. discuss it that go into the behaviors itself that go into mm -hmm. like a person's day-to-day -day life. Like it's more, it's more than just the action. Totally. And that's why I think right off the top, when I said, like, when I think of the term, why, why, hopefully this is like making it more clear on why I think it can be a distracting term. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's for everything, right? Totally. To you're totally right. Yeah. Say more about that. Like in other, like you think in other areas of like, when we talk about like oppressive behaviors, or yeah. oppressive systems where yeah. people just get stuck on wording where it's like, Semantics. because yeah. a word has like a negative connotation, people are more concerned about not wearing that word than they are mm -hmm. about the things mm -hmm. that are creating that word. So it's like, well, I'm more concerned about like showing offense at the idea of possibly being called a bully than I am of talking about bullying and trying to do what it would take to dismantle um, bullying behaviors so that, and teaching more about healthy connections and relationships. Yeah. It's way more work, right? Yeah. It's way more work to have to do that stuff than to like punish the kid who is doing the behavior. Mm -hmm. um, so like even like zero tolerance policies at schools 
like they think that they're like progress. I think schools think they're being progressive yeah. when they say they have zero tolerance policies around bullying behavior. And I actually think it's like not that's not a progressive policy. No. Like, well, also, it doesn't get rid of the behaviors. It just no. pushes them out of ground or underground or out of sight. Yeah, it's like I mean, it, it matches discussions around incarceration. Right. Mm-hmm. If we like when we put someone in jail or when we like, you know, like identify someone as a criminal or in a particular way, like often we see the data like tells us that it doesn't there's no um rec- like re- uh, what's the word reparation there yeah like it entrenches people in a behavior or in an identity we've already kind of touched on this but like so I think like that's missing the mark mm-hmm. and it miss it misses the whole piece of it being a relational issue yes. and that like there's no restorative component to like some of those zero tolerance policies it doesn't it doesn't understand it in a com- complex and nuanced enough way and and it's easy because it's easier yes. right it's easier to put that kid in a in a in school suspension room for three days mm-hmm. than to like have a circle a circle session yes but then I also want to talk about the fact too how when we talk about it as harmless or just like a normal part of childhood and what that does mm-hmm. to somebody who's on the receiving end of bullying behavior totally. and how it just yep. like well we punish this kid who we've labeled a bully so you should be fine now yeah totally it's like you got what you needed, mm-hmm. right? Like there's sort of that response, but it's like that harm is deep. Yeah. That harm's deep. And we're not talking about like the social re- repercussions, the emotional repercussions, the damage that does to somebody's like self-identity to the way that yeah. they relate to themselves, to the way that it just like can instill fear and impact sure. their relationships for years and years to come. Well, like any kind of like abusive behavior, mm-hmm. And I keep saying, cause it is, it's a, abu- uh, I think that we have to understand abusive behaviors as like a much broader continuum. Mm-hmm. So in, in any kind of abusive behavior, it's an attack of your humanity, right? Yeah. It's an attack yes. of like a person's personhood. Yes. Um, and that's why it, I think that's why it cuts so deep. Mm-hmm. It's not just, it's not superficial. It really it targets and attacks someone's sense of humanity mm-hmm. and who they are mm-hmm. um, at their core. And so I mean, that's, that's probably, I mean, I don't have the data to support this or the evidence, but I I would imagine, I would hypothesize that that's why it becomes such a thread for people as they move forward in their life. And, you know, we also used to talk about this idea of the continuum of violence. Mm -hmm. So I'll just break that out a little bit. Like if you look, if it were like a graphic that you were looking at, like the, the data, once again, shows us that, you know, kids that engaged in bullying behavior or early childhood aggression, you know, whatever that is, and linking back to all the different reasons why that might have been there for that kid, which are much bigger than that kid often, um, we see like higher rates of youth dating violence Mm -hmm. for that and perpetuate or um, perpetrating Mm -hmm. acts of violence in youth dating relationships. And then like the way in which that continuum for those for folks can continue into like intimate partner violence, Mm -hmm. child abuse, Mm -hmm. elder abuse. Mm -hmm. So ultimately we start to see like when that behave when there's no um, restoration or like relationship skill building or repair in terms of that kind of intervention, Mm -hmm. there's a continuation of like the core belief Mm -hmm. and the core learning of like abusing power Mm -hmm. as a person moves throughout their life. So it's like, it's an investment to like, think about how to like, you know, we used to say that, like, where, where would you rather make this investment? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know, and like at the end of the day, like the, the impacts are so profound and they're still so, um, you know, like harmful in bullying behavior or childhood um, social connections. But like the other piece is that we see the the types of power abuse 
escalate as a person yeah. like moves into adulthood. Yeah. So like the behaviors become more dangerous mm-hmm. and like increasingly abusive. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to say I I say that not to belittle the behavior in a bullying dynamic. But um, anyway, so there's just there's lots there. There's lots there. definitely a lot there and if we've been talking about as you move through life how your power changes and balances and such so as we've moved through our lives we're no longer children we're now adults and we're now parents Mm -hmm. what do you Mm -hmm. what have you noticed about how bullying behaviors have changed from our childhood or when you look at it through an adult lens such a good question I mean I think like the biggest game changer is social media yeah yeah my first thought is like the internet I know totally. And it isn't like any conversation, but the way in which social media as a innovation has changed the way that all of us relate socially Mm -hmm. and relation and like in our relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like, it's overwhelming to try to tackle the complexity that's there for, for kids who are like, you know, digital citizens that like live in that environment. Um, when we're often like, we're not as enmeshed in the culture, in the subculture. So it's like, we don't even understand basics of like social interaction sometimes in some mm-hmm. of the spaces that kids are using. Mm-hmm. So how can we then understand where the risks are? Like, you know, everything is like deeply codified and like there's a subtlety almost often to like the way in which kids will abuse their power in those spaces. And then there's also sometimes a complete lack of subtlety totally. <laughs> and just the, totally. the, the, yeah. the spread of people like the reach the reach of it and how like you can be um targeted and bullied by people you've never met before by people from like a friend of 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 a friend whose cousin did this and such and saw and whatever and just because yeah yeah, like revenge porn like that's a form of bullying and oh my god yeah yeah like there's just so much sexual violence (laughs) and that yeah yeah it just it makes me feel sick to actually think about it in detail. I know it's and overwhelming. So, it's totally overwhelming. Like, how are you parenting around this? How are you like, <laughs> I mean, we, this we is talked the about most, this a bit too honestly, in our digital age conversation, but totally this is the most overwhelming area of parenthood for me mm-hmm. at this time. Like it feels like the area that I lack control in the most. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't have expertise in the subculture, mm-hmm. even though I compared to other parents, I, I do mm-hmm. because this is like a professional area for me, but I don't because mm-hmm. I'm not a member of that yeah. social group. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not a 13 year old on TikTok, mm-hmm. Right. So like, I'm not in the in group. I don't have that. And I didn't. And the thing is, is that like, we didn't grow up with these tools. Yeah. And so like, we don't have base skills in the way that we did maybe for other forms of be, you know, like power misuse. Yes. Um, as, uh, as adults who are raising kids in a very different world than we lived in. And I think like the other piece that's so overwhelming is like, you know, when you and I maybe ex- had a bad experience at school, we came home and it was a safe space, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like we were able to like find safety in the solace of our homes. Mm-hmm. Well, not all kids have that. So mm-hmm. I just want to acknowledge that too. But, um, for a lot of folks, there's, there was like solace in t- leaving that school space, Yes, but there's just no, there's no, um, there's no line anymore no. between like that, that space and this, and this space at, at home or in a, in a place that should be sacred and safe. Mm-hmm. Um, because the behavior, the social dynamics, the 
all of the baggage from that other environment comes home in my pocket yeah. on my phone or, yeah, you know, where, whatever device I'm using. So I think like for me, I'm a very big proponent of wait until eight, which is a oh yeah, campaign. Yeah. It's a campaign around like devices and like developmental development and wait until eight is basically like kids should not have suggest based on the research and I, that kids should not have their own devices until eighth grade at minimum. Right. Okay. Cause I was like, last time you mentioned this too, because wait until eight makes me think eight years old. And I'm always like, no, that I seems hella early. And that then seems young. I had the exact no. same reaction when you mentioned this in our digital age episode too. Yeah. Yeah. It's confusing. Yeah. But so let me, so it's, it's, it's talking about eighth grade. So maybe like 13, 14, however mm-hmm. old the child is in eighth grade. Um, and it's really just, and I also just want to caveat that like, there are reasons why a younger kid needs to have a device mm-hmm. in like, it is also like often, a, you know, you, we, I don't want to be, well, nothing that not, we say is like, yes, um, I'm not judging. <laughs> I know. And it's also like, nothing that we say is like, this is the only way to do everything at all totally. times. Like there's obviously exactly. like we're providing perspectives and we're providing ideas, but mm-hmm. like nothing, there's no one suits all model for any of us. And if your kid has to have a device for like a million different reasons for your family life prior to that, there's lots of things you can do to like ensure that it's, you know, you're building skills and protection. Right. Mm-hmm. But this campaign is really reflecting that like from a frontal lobe development, brain development perspective, social development perspective, that at minimum, it reduces some of the risk around, um, you know, some of the things that can go sideways by having that, that constant connection to um, peers and like social world and your social world. And just like the open door to like the world, right. All of the things, um, that a kid can access, uh, through that technology, which is amazing and important in a lot of instances where somebody's like, you know, maybe alienated or uh, like for queer kids that like don't have community in the place that they are growing up. Like there's lots of opportunity in that. And I'm never like, I'm never a like, yeah, like you said, black and white thinker about some of this stuff, but it's, it's just, it's a consideration. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's available to you for your kid not to have that until, you know, like that age, it's something to think about just because of what the brain science tells us about their ability to sort of manage what's going on in that space. And speaking of what's going on in spaces that our children are in, have your kids Mm -hmm. experienced any bullying yet? Or on the flip side, have you seen your children engage in any bullying behavior? Both and mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Like I'm the first to say, like, I, I have seen my child be targeted and I've also seen them target mm-hmm. in really like troubling ways. And I think it's really distressing as a parent. Like it's for me, <laughs> it was far more distressing to recognize or realize or have it brought to my attention that my child was misusing his power than being targeted. Um, I'd, and that's like, I think both and like are distressing mm-hmm. incredibly, but, um, it was just an interesting thing to notice, like that my reaction on the one end was much more like upset. Um, not that I wasn't upset when like, you know, maybe he had had a bad experience. I think it's partly because I recognize his position in the world and like the world is going to, is going to mostly be like pretty kind to him. And there's lots of like b- building him up all the time, just from the white supremacist world that we live in and he's you know of who he is because of who he is so for me it was like more distressing to learn that like you know there was like that he was misusing his power with Mm -hmm. peers um but I think like for parents out there who learn that that's happening or like become aware of that first of all um I think taking again taking shame out of it Mm because I felt very ashamed right like and I don't know how helpful that is I think it's like 
connects back to all the stuff we've already been talking about. Like, how do you address that? Mm -hmm. It's about like getting to the addressing like the need to like take power in Mm -hmm. a particular way and like acknowledging that and recognizing that is also like something that isn't unusual. Mm -hmm. Like that's a, that's a drive that people have. Um, but then just bringing attention to like impact yes, and like starting to build, I think the beautiful thing about having that happen and maybe like being a parent where your kid is misusing their, is it's a, it's like, what a, what a wonderful opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. So like, if, if that doesn't come up for you, like maybe you miss the, I think it like forces the conversation and forces some of that skill building when it's like in your face that this Mm -hmm. is a problem. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was, I think like it was a, it's been a gift in a way when it has come up, even though it's like, at first it's very distressing and you feel like a lot of shame and you're like, where did it, what happened here? Like, and like the other thing is like, I think a lot of parents can be in denial about their kid's role. Yes, for sure. In a dynamic for sure. It's like they haven't seen it or they, it doesn't ring true for them in terms of who they believe their child to be. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you're not giving your kid enough credit then. Like we're all (laughs) nuanced and like complicated and like we're all capable of everything yeah we yeah are all capable of a multitude of behaviors a multitude of experiences multitude of thoughts emotions totally and I think like the best thing I can say about like response in that moment is to is to try to avoid being punitive and try to like really like you know I mean natural consequences are are certainly important but like getting to the bottom of like the the, repairing the relationship and like the relationship skill piece that is missing. And so how do you flip that then when your child is, uh, has been targeted? Ooh, great question. I think that, you know, it's sort of similar. It's like, it's, it's reinforcing that like, this isn't your fault and it was not deserved. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think a lot of kids can sometimes wear it. Like it's because of something about them Mm -hmm. that's like inherent Mm -hmm. and you know, sometimes they are being targeted because of something about them. But I think the important part of that is reframing that like, that's a them problem and not a you problem, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's nothing wrong with you and nothing about you is a problem. Mm -hmm. Breaking out like why someone might do that, like to to make it to, so that a kid isn't owning it as like, oh, it's because I deserved it. And it's because I'm X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like giving lots of space for the hurt, I would say. Yeah like you do such an excellent job of this and you talk about this a lot, just like you, you're such an excellent um, like example of like talking, like skills around talking to kids about feelings and giving space for feelings. So I think all of that stuff is like really important in that moment. What do you think you, like, what would your response be? And have you had that experience yet? Um, I have had the experience of my child being, yeah, I've had him being on both ends of it, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing so far major, nothing that's like I've found um, super concerning one way or the other, which mm-hmm. is lovely. And I feel very appreciative so far because mm-hmm. I think um, last episode, you mentioned the idea of screaming into a pillow <laughs> during our body image mm-hmm. episode. And I feel like that might be my first response. If I found out my child was engaging in bullying behavior. Yeah. Um, and then I would talk communication, open door policy. Mm-hmm. I think just like reaching out to my village mm-hmm. and seeing what other people have done when they've been in circumstances or when the child's been on the receiving end, like, how do we fix relationships? How do we, 
Um, Mm -hmm. how do we change behaviors? How do we change thoughts and the way that we relate to other people? Um, Mm -hmm. because I think a big thing for me, I've talked about this before, how I reach out to my friends and I ask for parent advice all the time because I like, I refuse, like I absolutely refuse to parent alone. I will not totally, I cannot, (laughs) I will not. And I refuse to, (laughs) no one should, no one ever should. I'm lucky that I have like a very knowledgeable, a very experienced, incredible roster to turn to. And so I will continue to turn to them. So yeah. any of my friends and support network listening, I will not do this alone. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. I mean, that's why we started this podcast. Ultimately. Yeah. Like I, well, for among other reasons, but it was like, you know, that need for community and, and, um, you know, folks to like parent with, we want, we like, we need to parent together um, and from the same place of values, you know, yeah. in order to like be better and create a better world. Yeah. Um, in so many ways. Yeah. And I think you said something really important there that I just want to reiterate it around. Like you said, you want to, would scream into a pillow. And actually that's like, there's something there that's like, I'm always working on is my own self, my own regulation when I'm in a heightened mo- emotional moment, like, or if I'm, I'm angry, like when I hear that my kid has done X, Y, and Z, I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. Like that's my first, I'm pissed off. I'm disappointed. And I think, and that's okay, but it's what you do with it. Exactly. And I've made mistakes in that department. I just want to acknowledge that right off the bat. I've gone in like guns blazing, Mm -hmm. like pissed off Mm -hmm. and like torn a strip off my kid Mm -hmm. when I should have taken a beat, Mm -hmm. screamed into the goddamn pillow Mm -hmm. and got myself regulated before I entered that space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't, it's really hard to parent from a place of anger. Yes. And I think we need to remember that too, that like, we don't have to meet like you know obviously if somebody's being harmed or something like you need to step in immediately yeah. but most of the totally. time with parenting you can take a beat and get your thoughts together before you say what you want to say so that you're not reacting mm-hmm. out of anger so that you're not um coming out of it feeling worse than you went going into it and that your child's not coming out of it worse for wear as well yeah it's just like you 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 stand the, and this is an area that I'm really working on because I'm I'm not good at it um I'm very reactive Um, but it's like, you stand to do more harm than good Mm -hmm. in that moment where you could really like, it could be a really intentional again, coming back to that moment of learning that like is foundational for how your kid moves forward in their relationship skill building. And I want to say though, if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. And like, it's almost also a way to be like, like I made a mistake, like, like acknowledge that in the way that I responded to you. And you've made a mistake. We all make mistakes. Yes. Yes. So how do we repair? Like humanizing, making mistakes is also, you know, part of the puzzle. Like it's easier to come back and be willing to like repair relationships. If like we can take a little bit of the shame of the mistake out of the equation. And that doesn't mean taking out accountability though. Yes. And even just in terms of, it's not always about having the upper hand. Yeah. This comes back to the power dynamic, right? Where you feel like as a parent, you always need to be right. You always need to have the right answers or whatever, where it's like not always about having the upper hand and like in our parenting child relationship, like, yes, obviously like you're in a position of power because you're the parent, but you're also on the same team as your child. And like, you can work together to figure out how to make things healthy. So remember, like there are books out there. There are people out there that you can talk to. You can pause mm. and take a second before you dive back into things and just communicate, communication, 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 healthy communication. <laughs> yes. And now 
Let's pause for momentum. Sticks and stones. It tore a strip off her soul, leaving her feeling exposed, like she had done something wrong when all she did was be herself. They decided that was the wrong answer and punished her for it every single day, making her life miserable, sucking up all of her joy, until she felt alone and unimportant, trying to make herself smaller, to escape their sticks and stones that kept breaking her bones, the words that were not supposed to hurt her. One day, another child spoke up, held her hand, stood beside her. She knew at that moment that even when she was lonely, she was never truly alone. That one act changed her life. The bullying continued until it didn't. When the adults finally opened their eyes, no longer leaning on the kids will be kids of it all. She let herself grow, take up space in her world, no longer waiting for permission to soar. We acknowledge that Gaining Momentum is recorded, produced, and edited on the unceded territory of the Selic Okanagan people and the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Enina, Oji Cree, Dena, and Dakota peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Gaining Momentum. Gaining hosted with artwork by Please check our show notes with each episode for more information on Catherine and Evan, plus how you can stay in touch with us through email, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you.